welcome, welcome to another episode of the Just a Couple Dudes Jacked Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Flattiger. I'm another host, Frank Lewandowski III. And I'm the last co-host, Anthony. Anthony Michael Cole. Ooh, that was, uh, what was that? Portuguese? Spanish? Uh, you know, I'd like to think British? Spanish. I, I heard it this week. That so. was Asian, wasn't it? <laughs> it was Asian. It was Asian. Oh. Yeah, it was a little Asian. It's good to get back together. I feel like we... We've been kind of doing some other stuff. I miss the boys. I yeah. miss you boys. Has it been a while? I don't know. Probably not. It's been okay. like a week. Has it been a week? Went from being, <laughs> being together all the time. I don't know. Two weeks? Anthony's been... It's been two yeah, weeks. Been lost in, my... in space. Yeah. Man. God. Yes. No one wants to know where I've been. No. 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 no I don't no. think you can handle no it. No one could. I think even God turned his face. He turned his yeah. back on me. Yeah. Smite me, old buddy smiter. I did say... He just changed the my channel. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> That's okay, really, so... Not to be blasphemous. Yeah. What we started... <laughs> what we started is a, you know, good man segment. So mm. Frank highlighted Dan Crenshaw on the last podcast that we... Well, we started this. And so we're going to kind of keep going with that momentum. Frank, do you kind of want to... Remind yeah, the I, folks what we're doing with I it. I think we wanted, first of all, we wanted some consistency with yeah. what we're bringing to the table. We like to talk about many different topics, which you can see with all 45 plus episodes that we have now. Mm-hmm. I would say we're not beginners anymore. No. Mm-hmm. We are novice. Yes. Yes. Advanced novice. Advanced novice. We are like sophomores in high school. But, but better than average. But yeah. better than average. Yeah. It's like Above between average. small and medium. You get that nice medium type. Oh, yeah, you know? nice. Yeah. Fits tight. 60-40 yeah. cotton blend. That's what it's I It's a perfect it. fit, though. But yes. again, we, we talk about good men. And there's yeah. a lot of things we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, recently, uh, George Floyd just died. And his cousin... I mean, it's a huge crisis, right, on the nation. Oh, big time. You yeah. have the COVID issue, which... I guess it's not a great thing to put for good men, but we can relate anything, I think, to having good men. You know, if we had a better police officer in that instance, would we have George Floyd alive today? Yes, we would. Mm-hmm. If we had people that could protest probably in a more productive way, we'd have better men, right? Oh, And I time. think we just, I mean, this is d- deep emotional subjects, but if we have better examples in the community, better things that we can promote, people that we look up to that we've seen and researched and they lead by example, can that impact other men? Mm-hmm. Oh, so. definitely. So today we want to highlight Jim Rohn. So you may not know who Jim Rohn is, but you may have heard his uh, motivational speaks, you know, talks. There's a bunch of videos of him on YouTube. If you know Tony Robbins, he was actually Tony Robbins' mentor. So Dude, Tony Robbins kind of like followed his model, like his books, his stuff, which is cool. Because who doesn't like Tony Robbins, right? He's Everyone great. loves Tony. He's like Tony's the most good. well-known. Like he's one of the like when you gurus. think of motivational speaking, you think of Tony Robbins. So yes. he learned yeah. it from this guy. So you're talking about male role models. So Jim Rohn, he was born in 1930 in Idaho on a peanut farm. He was an only child, but you know, humble beginnings, not much money. Um, kind of just went through the regular motions. Grew up. He dropped out of college after one year. He got a job at working for a Sears. He was like a department um, part-time manager working at Sears. Um, you know, got married, did that whole thing, but at 25 years old, found himself super in debt, just kind of enslaved to his nine to five, living the American dream, thinking that, you know, buy a car, buy a house, do all that, and while debt, super unhappy. And then he got invited to go um, hear this guy, Earl Schof, speak. And Earl Schof wound up becoming his mentor, like after, I guess, 
through their encounter, through going to his, his meeting, he approached him and was like, hey, teach me everything you know. I'll quit my job. Like, just mentor me. And so that led into him becoming an entrepreneur, building businesses, working for Mr. Shove. But the thing is, when you listen to, I actually have one of his books on audio. He was saying that it wasn't so much just the business tools that Mr. Shove taught Jim. It was um, these things. So he highlights self-discipline, mm-hmm. building a personal philosophy. So what's your personal philosophy in life? And we can expand on that too. Um, having purpose and self-worth and value the power of journaling. So he journaled like every day and some of his talks when he gives in his like seventies, he's like, I have my own library with, I have my books. And then on the other side of my library shelves and shelves and shelves of my journals. So that he goes back and he reads from 10 years ago, five years ago, like his kids now have, they have a whole library. He's since he passed away in 2009, they have a whole library of like his innermost thoughts and feelings and journaled. Like I thought that was really cool. And just, self-reflection like rigorous self-reflection um and having a personal purpose and defining what that is and so that's what he talks a whole lot about and actually rather than just talking about it um i kind of want to play a clip that i got of him i can just hear the passion in Mm. eric's voice Mm -hmm. well do it because i have one of his audio cds and i've listened to it i went through a period of time where i would listen to it like all the tracks through and play it again and again and again it was like Gosh, man, it's so good. Because he, he has one little thing before I play the club. He goes, you know, an apple a day, right? Why is that a saying? An apple a day. If the saying was a Hershey bar a day, no, that's not right. Like, it's not going to keep the doctor away, right? So when we have bad habits, bad disciplines we practice every single day, it's getting those, you know, obviously those negative results versus when you have an apple a day, you have that self-reflection, you're working on yourself on a daily basis. That keeps you in a good, healthy spirit and mind. And so when he talks about purpose, this is like a minute from him I'm going to play, but it really, it's, it always strikes me. First, learning the power of purpose. A person who has purpose in their life, they have something to go for, some meaning. One writer described it, for some people it becomes a magnificent obsession. And for you and I, maybe it doesn't need to be that dramatic as a magnificent obsession but it has to be something that does something to us something that pulls us especially into the future you know there are many influences on us one is the influence of the past some people are always pulled back 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 by the past some people are always pulled aside by the distractions the distractions but here's what's powerful if you have a list of high purpose in your life it pulls you toward the future and the more powerful the purpose is the stronger it pulls And here's the other great advantage if you have purpose for the future. It pulls you through all kinds of challenges and all kinds of difficulties. If you don't have these strong purposes for the future, it's easy to get swallowed by a bad day. And he goes on and on. But, right, purpose. So when you have a powerful purpose, it can pull you through things. It can give you... It can define who you are. It can allow you to do the job you want to do. You know what I mean? So... Jim Rohn, um, what else do I got here? Actually, that's pretty much what I had on Jim. But that that was, you know, I think that's someone people should look into, look at, get his audio book. He's a really good male role model and just a role model for anyone, actually. No, I was going to say, it's, it was really interesting you talking about how he had like a library of journals, right? Yeah. And uh, I've never done much journaling, but I have in a, you know, it sounds really weird, but uh, when I was going through some, some weird times, I, I wrote poetry. 
And the reason I liked poetry was because, like, it just, it forced you to, like, use words you don't normally use, mm. you know, uh, it just speak in a way you don't, and so uh, you don't normally talk in, like, an everyday speech, and to me it was interesting. Uh, but what was funny was, uh, this was about a week ago, there were some poems that I wrote that it was, like, in a really dark time of my life, and it was, like, to a point I was almost scared. I was, like, I don't want to remember how I felt when I wrote that, mm. you know, um, but it was so therapeutic for me when I was writing that. And I think it was because I was practicing just being self-aware. Like you were talking about distractions and, you know, and not having purpose. Well, how often do we just like sit there and digest where we are today, how we feel right now? We mm. really don't do that very often. I mean, at least mm. I know I don't. And, you know, uh, honestly, just even listening to that, I'm like, dude, I, I, need to, I need to improve in that way. Yeah. Well, why do you think people stay in a miserable relationship, a miserable job? Mm-hmm. You know, people, people stay in these things because they don't, you kind of don't realize how long you've hated it. Because mm-hmm. you are just in that moment, but you're not recording it. You're not documenting it. You don't have a defined purpose or mission. Mm-hmm. Like Just like any company has a mission statement, you kind of want to have the same thing for yourself. Like, what is your purpose? And people always want to know, like, what's the purpose of life? What, why am I here? Well, really, you can boil it more down to your own personal philosophy. What's your purpose? I like to make people happy. I like to share stories with people. So I made a podcast or I'm talking to you guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for anyone, like, you want to work in a field where you can help people so you became a nurse. You want to learn more about whatever. Like, you guys have aligned your jobs, your careers, your hobbies, whatever you want to call it to match that purpose but how many people are living outside of that and they're just they're just like a pissed off mailman because it was a good job well yeah so many people i mean i know i've been guilty of it it's just like you just it's like you just wander it's like you just let you know the wind and the sails just take you wherever the wind takes you you know Mm. and you you are not in control of your own life you're just going through the motions I, mean, I think all of us have been guilty of just going through the motions. Oh, big time. it's so easy to just sit back and go through it. Yeah, I when I was jumping from job to job, every, every job change made logical sense. Mm-hmm. I either was going to make more money, it was different experience, it was something to do with growth, but it wasn't always with a main purpose. I never mm-hmm. really knew what a main purpose was, yeah. actually. When I got into the health field, helping people was not the main reason. I was actually like, the fifth reason yeah. I went into nursing because there was opportunity. There was a growth. I guess mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing. You can make a certain amount of money because you have certification. It was challenging. There was flexibility. You could always change it up. I hate feeling like we're stuck in yeah. something. I want to be in something I can constantly grow. And I ended up getting one of the best jobs, the best job I've ever had. And yeah. my true purpose is to generally help as many people as I can mm-hmm. with this genuine compassion while also enjoying my own life and leaving a legacy with my own family tree. Mm-hmm. Because when I have kids and I pass those uh, values on, that it packs so many more generations, right? Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you want to create a, live an example of it so people can see that and kind of exemplify it. I mean, that's why like people like, let's say Jim Rohn, for example, if he never went to that, or let's say he went to that seminar and he didn't take that step to be like, you know what, I'm, I do feel like I'm obviously unhappy with what I'm doing. I'm going to go boldly walk up to this guy and be like, I want to work for you. Teach me, mentor me, whatever. I'll do whatever. 
You know, if you don't take that step, I never hear him, his audio book. I never hear his message. I never see, you know what I mean? He doesn't build those businesses that give people jobs. Mm -hmm. He never mentors Tony Robbins. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then like that ripple effect that we talk about, that we always talk about having, you know, taking part in a positive ripple effect. It really is like you brought up before, like a butterfly wings flapping creates a hurricane some what was it on the other again? side of the world or, yeah. yeah so a butterfly 500 miles away creates a hurricane by flapping its wings yeah mm-hmm. and That's it's true. that ripple effect like mm-hmm. dude just even when we did that emdr episode like just you recording which is like just our time yeah. basically free to do putting it out we put a little bit of production value to it and how many people do we have who were like damn dude, i really i got we had people send us personal video messages on instagram saying like damn bro like that really made me think it really impacted me mm-hmm. i'm trying to do better of it i want to talk about it now and who knows like maybe now they now you'll never know the person that might talk to that person exactly but that doesn't matter it's not the point mm-hmm. and that's what's so cool about it and then that's why you know, I feel like that's why the purpose behind us and what we do, and yep. that's why we highlighted Jim Rohn and other strong males, is because I don't know too many other people who are talking about it, but that's not the point. It's like that we are putting that out there, and hopefully that does create a positive ripple effect. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, like like you said, we want to help out people, and especially men. You know, we just we know that there's a calling, like that men are falling short in a lot of areas. And it's like, and I know I've fallen short as a man and, I, and I've learned from my mistakes and I don't want someone else to go through those same mistakes or, or maybe you're in that pitfall and it's like, dude, I've been there uh, and I can help with that because I've been there or it's something I haven't gone through, but I want to research it because I don't want to go through that. And then maybe I can just help one person, one guy, you know, just one person. And then they help one person and it just, Mm-hmm. spreads I got a couple like weekly examples one is I've been going on Facebook and social media and Instagram and I've been probing people and I've actually enjoyed it usually I would I used to get angry you know like oh I disagree with that person right mm-hmm. I had a guy that uh, I went to high school with good guy he's got some really good valid points and he's challenging uh, current topics that are tough you know mm-hmm. the police brutality that's been going on and the things like that he's got some good points man and I really enjoyed it. And I told him, I said, hey, man, keep, please keep posting this. He's like, I don't know why I do it. I don't know if it's affecting anyone. Well, it affects me. Yeah. Thank you. And I said, you don't know who it's affecting, man. If it affected one person, it's worth it. That EMDR episode, mm-hmm. that was being completely vulnerable. And I don't know. I'm, you know, we may ne- never make a dollar from this. If anything, we're losing money. Right? This is a hobby of ours right now. But if we helped one person, it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, that's Gary Vee's message. That's Tony mm-hmm. Robbins. That's it. What if that helps that guy get a new job? Or that helps that girl finally go to therapy and get over an abuse she had? Mm-hmm. Right? There's something like one in five women have been abused. It's something oh, like that. Dude. It's very high. Right? And we can't speak for women, right? We're not in their head. We're not in their body. We're not able to, we're able to be empathetic. But we can tell you from men that we need to be better. We do. Yes. Plain we definitely simple. do. And Every category. Mm-hmm. And you bring that up, and I think uh, I think we have some stats on that too, right? That we wanted to bring up, maybe. Yeah. And so while Frank's kind of bringing that up, you talked about one in five. I think that's just rough. Don't fact check us, but one in five yeah. women. This is actually. I think it's one in three boys. This is like young boys have been um, like sexually abused or um, oh, yeah. molested. Like a third, like thirty-three yeah. percent of boys. I think mm-hmm. that's a U.S. statistic, and that's an that's enormous. And if you want to know why so many men 
are doing, you know, from, from my perspective, right? Why are so many men violent? Why are so many men suicidal? Why are so many men, all these categories, males lead it all? Well, don't you think at a source, one third of boys being molested or abused has something to do with that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. God, it's such a sad statistic, well, we got too. Some, plenty of statistics here. Again, most of okay. this is about just some things that stand out to me. But the eighth leading cause of death for men is suicide. So 2.6% in 2017. Uh, this is all from the CDC, by the way. Suicide was 17.2% for 1 to 19-year-olds. Suicide was also 13.8% from 20 to 44-year-olds. 1 in 4 women and 1 in 9 men experienced severe intimate partner physical violence. 1 in 5 women and 1 in 71 men in the U.S. have been raped. 72% of all murder-suicides involve an intimate partner. 94% are females. That's all from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So in those statistics, a couple things stand out, right? It's not always men. You can't say 100%. Yeah. I don't think almost anything in life is 100%. But majority of the time, especially with the violence, is men. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Men are violent. When you start showing kids, your son, you know, kids that have these role models, you need to know that you can't hit women. Mm-hmm. You really shouldn't be violent in general. Yeah. Unless you're defending yourself. And that's pretty rare. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or your UFC fighter, which again is rare. But there's no reason to use violence, right? We need to be stronger with our words. Words. We need to be. There's a good thing Dan Crenshaw said actually about a Navy SEAL is they're trained to defeat the enemy, take the enemy down, and then the next second pick up the grandma from the street. Yeah. You God, talk about that's so good. Candor, right. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Like, I like how that. How good is that? Right. That, but that's what a man should be. You know, oh, big time. A man should be able to be, you know, a, a protector, but also have that nurturing side where you can offer that security to your family. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's so it's just not talked about. It's real. I mean, it's it's you know, people are talking about it and the need for it, but pe- we don't think about it. A, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't think about it every day. Even dads, they don't think about it that often. You know, sadly, I think I think we just got to recognize. When men do good things, like we know women are doing a great thing, right? It seems like they're every leading character in a movie. It seems like everything that a woman, it's like, oh, she does this and this and this. Should we have a female president? Yes, please pick a great one. Let's put her in office. They can do everything a man does, right? That's what we want. But we need to recognize when men do good things because you have these young boys that are growing up and they need to know how to behave. And can what we, are good role models? Can we define those good things? Not just being rich or not just, oh, okay. you know, well, what I mean? no, because not. I'm just trying to play devil's rich advocate and, and what people are going to hear and say, Ooh. like, Ooh. oh, like, you know, men, they're most of Congress, they're most CEOs, they get paid the most, they're this. So yeah. when we talk about good things, we're talking about like men are who are compassionate, mm-hmm. men who do like they, that are the Navy SEAL who, yeah, you're going to kill the enemy, but you're going to pick up the gram off the street. You're going to mm-hmm. you're going to hold four children and carry them out of a, you know, burning down bombed out building like men like first responders who are going to take the lead or not even first responders people who pull over and help someone who they absolutely don't have to pull over Mm -hmm. and push a car change a tire they do that like those are the things that aren't highlighted in society dependable right yeah integrity Mm -hmm. integrity is doing the right thing when no one's looking Mm -hmm. right you can count on them you know it's the dad you want it's the husband you want yes you know you're at the office he's working 70 hours it's not to have an affair at the office it's Mm -mm. to put food on the table and change your family tree right yeah uh those are the values that you need you know when we have 
you know, Bill Clinton that's in office, that's cheating on his wife, you know, does he deserve impeachment? No, but you're not being a good man. Exactly, right? right? You're not. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why we forget that. Like, it's not illegal, but it's like, it's almost worse. Yeah. Like, sometimes, like, it's not about legality. It's about the ethics. It's about, Mm -hmm. it's about right and wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. someone's compass is not pointing north if you're doing that. If you're like committing adultery in your place of work, mm-hmm. holding the highest job in the free world, mm-hmm. like that is a bad moral code. It is. And that's easy to recognize. And it's not just to, to be one way about it. It's like we can, I don't even well, know where gonna, to go well, with it. I was going to say, if your ethics are defined by the laws of the land, yeah, you're yeah. a weak man. Like, Big time. I like mean, hiding behind, like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong because it wasn't illegal. It's, it's like, not illegal. Oh, yeah. you're a piece of crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. And how many people are you influencing, right? I like Charles Barkley, but Charles Barkley talks about how athletes aren't role models. Well, you're in those positions. They have and to And unfortunately, be. when people have posters of you and they see you on TV and you're doing commercials and you're in movies, you know, growing up, we had Michael Jordan. I don't know exactly how he was off the screen. Now older, it sounds like he was kind of jerkish, but at the time, he was stoic. He was a leader. Yeah, I never you heard of any scandals back then. You didn't hear about awful things no. from him. You the know, domestic violence that's happening in the sports league, which now is condemned. Yeah, right? finally, domestic violence ten years ago. Oh, it was dismissed hush, because hush. they were athletes. Now, if you do something, look at Antonio Brown, top five yeah. wide receiver, can't get a job. Can't mm-hmm. cannot get a job. Good. Won't get a you job. You shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't. Right? Yeah, not, you um, can't do that. Ray Rice. Ray Rice. I think a lot of people thought, myself included, not that because I thought he deserved it, but I thought, will this blow over in a year and he gets a job because he's so talented he could help a team win? Nope. People didn't want him, which is good. Mm-hmm. He should be done after yeah. that. And it's setting an example. This is one of those things about, you know, I just like when people don't forget, like, emotion's good. Keep logic there. I yeah. want logic a part of every decision because emotion is good, but that's how a five-year-old thinks. Yep. Right? Emotion's good because we're human beings. We have frontal lobes. That's what separates us from apes. But you can use logic every time. So when you say that racism is worse today than it ever was, no, it's not. It's just being filmed more. And when you say sexism is worse than it's ever been, no, it's not. It's actually stopping. I watched a great documentary by the, it was a Harvey Ep, or Jeffrey Epstein, I'm sorry. And I didn't realize how much the Me Too movement impacted him getting in trouble. I oh, well, it, it ignited. Oh, it oh, started that whole movement. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'm under the personal belief that they have to have a sacrificial lamb, so they kind of chose him. But yeah, like it. Well, without it, there wouldn't have been that pressure. Oh. Bill Cosby, like you God, can't get you, you can't get away with this anymore. And then you hear stories, and people are like, "Yeah, we all kind of yeah, knew." It's that. always been there. Yeah. We all kind of knew Harvey uh, Weinstein Bill or whatever. Did that. Harvey yeah. Weinstein. Everyone you, was like, "You can't do this anymore." John McCain's wife literally said. We all knew Jeffrey Epstein had Epstein Island, but there wasn't the right, we didn't have the right legalities to go after him or this or that. No one, no one had the funding to go after him. I was like, a lot of excuses. The funding, yeah. Let's talk about that. That was one of the qualities we just talked about is, man, just standing up for what is right. It's hard to do a lot of times to stand up for what is right. But when it comes to Epstein Island and all that, and all these people that knew, I'm sorry. That was a lot of people that just did not. They chose not to stand up for what was right. What was the easier decision not to do anything, right? Yeah, exactly. And how often do we all do that? 
My mom asked me a hard question. I had to really think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, when because she didn't see the George Floyd video, and I showed her, and she was like, "Well, I get these people are filming it, you know, to sh- document what's going on, and they're yelling in the video." But my mom was like, "Would what would you stop it? Like, what would you what length would you go to stop that? Because there's officers there. There's four officers, and mm-hmm. there was at least one um, who was." blocking this certain camera view because people were starting to get more boisterous and loud he was getting very defensive kind of like protecting mm-hmm. like that other officer holding george in custody um you know she's like what what would you do would you would you try to forcibly get by that officer and, and cause i mean get arrested go through all that to potentially stop this man from dying what do you do yeah. and i was like damn that's a tough question because you know how many people are like well, first of all, people don't know he's going to die. They don't know he's yeah. dying. They can, hear, they can hear what he's saying. Say that, yeah. But you also, you know, you see an injustice going on, but then you think, well, I don't want to go to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah. and that's, and it's a tough question right. that no Kill. one should have to you start answer. start attacking a cop, dude. You they'll shoot, they'll kill quick. you. Yeah. You get killed for that. No. I, tough question. That's a tough question. That's a good question, too. And I think really this, I, I don't know, I want to say this one impacted me before any other incidents. Because to me, mm-hmm. I have a take on racism and I'm just, this is why now I'm taking more of an approach of listening. I didn't really understand Black Lives Matter. You know, I'm naive. I don't really understand. I didn't really see racism growing up. Uh, I think well, the pure, first- we're in pure Arizona. Pure Arizona, pure mm-hmm. elementary. It's a good place. Um, I had, a, one of my best friends is black. I actually asked him today, I said, hey man, like how was it growing up? Like, were you treated differently? He says, yes, I was. I said, well, how? And he didn't really have that much in grade school, but he said in high school, he got called the N-word didn't know that uh he said he's been pulled over more for no reason mm-hmm. dude's one of the nicest guys i've ever met funniest guys ever and i'm like oh dude i'm sorry you deal with that like i just i don't experience that so it's hard to me be truly empathetic i am more empathetic now with this situation but i did hear this a long time ago when we have complex problems we need to think about complex solutions okay thank you one is let's talk racism for a second i think we need to understand what identity is okay so let's look at what we can agree on First of all, your main identity should be number one, it should be stacked. Number one should be, I'm a human being. I am tired of looking at people and saying you are this, or the government making you check a box and saying you are this, because you can argue that that is a completely made up human thing. Mm-hmm. You can have different beliefs or based on where you're at, but what, what is this person? They're, they're in, you're in, out of five boxes, that's all we are? Yeah, like first and foremost, simple. what... What if you're 60% this or 10% mm. that? There's, yeah. It's not science. It's made up. And then these statistics are not accurate. They're okay. Hopefully they help. But how do you even know what you are? If you're Elizabeth Warren, she thought she was native until she had a she test. She believed it. She believed it. I'm not saying she's wrong or right, but her DNA says not. So what is race? We are first human beings. Yeah. The first step is to actually stop uh like avoid being called a race like we are all one race and once you realize that i think you can kind of take things away but no one ever wants to talk about that i heard that from a psychiatrist like in the 90s i thought that was really good it's good no it's really good and and a big part of the problem is you totally understand like the outrage and the frustration and the like this is awful because i'll be honest of everything i've ever seen up until now this one in particular is just by far the worst because it's it's not it's not a split second uh, split second, I thought he was reaching, we shot, it's bad shoot. It's not that. It's 10 minutes actively killing a man. It's awful. It's atrocious. Mm-hmm. 
it's seriously, it's disgusting, and and he needs to be fully prosecuted for murder yeah. on whatever degree. I don't know. I don't know the legalities and the terms. Mm-hmm. Just go to jail for murder because he murdered that man, and, and it's awful. At least something is happening. Like people are, and he is. Aware. He's he's in custody yeah. now and all that, and and hopefully I'm they have a speedy aware. trial. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand Black Lives Matter more. The, I didn't in the past. The problem, the problem that I see is that the media picks. Mm-hmm. So they pick the highlight reel. So I always try and tell people, like, if you look at anyone's highlight reel in football, they look amazing. So all you see is the highlights, right? Mm-hmm. So when the media takes a narrative and they put a highlight reel to it, we get even more outraged because it's all we see. And that's what you hear from people. They're mm-hmm. like, well, it happened again, which it did happen. In this case, it's like it's another case of this thing. But we don't have all the other stories because – I mean, uh, and it's not to take away from this at all. Like, I've already spoken on how awful it is. I didn't even know. This is me just putting this out there. I don't know if you guys knew either. Uh, I think a year ago, a Minneapolis police officer, um, like, I, th- I think he was even fired and prosecuted and all that. He shot and killed uh, this Australian woman. She's like this Australian, I think a news reporter in Minneapolis. And there was like a miscommunication. He, sh- he killed her. He murdered her. But there wasn't... But he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he was Muslim, like, I think he was black, something like that, or he was Muslim, I forgot what country he's from, but he became a police officer, she was a Australian white woman, um, but it wasn't much of a story, I never heard of it, yeah, I mean, and I'm only hearing it now because people start sharing that stuff, mm-hmm. so my, my thing is, like, it's not fully encapsulated, you know, mm-hmm. I actually thought Lil Wayne said something really insightful, really, should yeah. I play it, yeah, I don't yeah, know, I I don't know if we get, I don't know, whatever. It's, but it was, uh, he said, he spoke on this subject, and I was like, dang, I kind of like that. I think it's a, I think when we see these situations, I think we also have to understand that we have to, we have to get very specific. We have to get so specific. And what I mean by that, we have to, we have to stop, we have to stop viewing it from, with such a broad view, meaning we have to stop put, placing the blame on the whole, the whole force and the whole, everybody of such a certain, certain race, uh, everybody with a badge and we have to actually, we have to get, get into who that person is. And if we want to place the blame on anybody, it, it should be ourselves for not doing more than what we think we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, we leaving it at a, we, the, the reason why people always ask me like, why you don't say this? Why you don't do that? Is because a lot. I mean, what else am I gonna do after that? We leave. We, we some some people put a tweet out and they think that's they think they did something. That some people wear a shirt. They think they did something. I mean, what you gonna do after that? Did, did you actually help the person? Did you actually help the family? Did you actually go out there and do something? So if I ain't about to do all that, then I ain't about to do nothing. I pray for you. Hmm. He said, "I pray for you." He said, "I'll pray for him." Oh wow! He's like, "If I ain't gonna," he's like. You know, if I'm not going to go personally help him and I'm not going to, you know, do all these other things, I'm not going to put out a tweet mm-hmm. just to just to put out a tweet. I'm not going to put on a shirt yeah. that says something just to put out a shirt. He's like, I'll pray for him. Like, I'll talk about it like this. But like, how many people do that, though? Like they get like all they're doing is like lip service, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I don't know. And like, well, let's let's talk the white privilege thing right now, because the people I know that say it, are you just saying that to make yourself feel better? Oh, yeah. Because 100%. the sad part is. Mr. Floyd's not coming back. I know. And for some reason, I looked up statistics. This is from PubMed. 55% of police murders. This this shows you how hard it is to read a study. This is from 2016 or 17 from the PubMed, which is the United States government, well-evidenced uh, database. It was 
55% of police murders are white people. 36% are black. Okay? The next one, I think, is Hispanic, like 19%. The problem is, is that the African-American population is only like... I was going to say, it's a much oh, so lower like population. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's right a, around it's 10%. A much, yeah, so yeah. when you first look at it, you're like, oh, whites are actually killed more. Well, yeah, in total, but there's a lot higher population. Yeah. So yeah. it's actually still very disproportionate that it's African-Americans. Yep. Right? And unarmed, which is less than 10%, roughly. Uh, less than 10% of cop murders, people are unarmed. So most of the time, they're armed. But... It's something like 14.9% are black and 9% are white. So there's a disparity. There's a uh, difference there too, right? And that's some real statistics that like scientists are looking at this going, wow, there's something wrong here. What do we, what do we have to do? No, yeah. Um, That's that, that, that was one I was going to mention too, is when you said like, yeah, they're, but they're a much lower population. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is why when I, I never really understood so growing up, I think, I don't even know when Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter started clashing. Um, but I remember when it first did, I was like, I'm so confused. Why do I have to choose between all lives or black lives? Yeah. I don't believe in false binaries either, though. No. I don't think you have to choose left or right. I, I never do. Um, but the problem, what I never really understood is until I heard one of the founders of it, who was on Rob Bell's podcast of Black Lives Matter. Really? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and she was a lot more level-headed. Like, Sean King and some of those other guys, I don't think they're level-headed. I don't think that really? they try to look at both them, sides. So but anyways, this person who was on, you know, she was kind of just talking about the, trying to highlight um, pretty much like, oh, like the disparities that you're kind of t- alluding to, mm-hmm. and also that um, it's not that all lives don't matter. It's that we're trying to just highlight this subject. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I'm not, def- I, I don't even want to go to put my name in front of any organization because I don't know what they fully believe in. I don't know what they do. I don't know what Black Lives Matters website looks like. You know what I mean? None of that. Such a broad but group. It's so broad. I don't know. People clash on it. But what I'm saying is like, oh, like it's so the people who get upset when they hear that, they're like, well, it's not Black Lives. It's all lives. I'm like, well, they're just trying to highlight an issue. Yeah, That's like all we're that. trying to do. It's definitely a problem. Yeah. And it yeah. needs to get fixed. And, and it does know. need to get fixed. And, you know, and with George do, Floyd. What we do. I'm sorry. What we do hope, though, is that I, I think we we don't care who dies or there's an injustice show that too that's what because you yeah. gotta tell me there's especially in arizona mostly you know probably white and hispanic right you can't tell me there's not a hispanic that have been has been treated bad by a cop here that should Big have time. been on camera yeah. where's mm-hmm. that at i hope that's on the camera i hope no matter who it is i hope if you're 10 percent this 10 percent that 10 percent this 10 percent that and your perfect mix of races however that is i hope that's on camera if they get mistreated by a cop yeah. I think I had two things I thought of in my head that could help this crisis, or three things. One is every police officer in the country needs a body cam. It is on. It is never turned off. And what that happens is that it protects the cop and it protects the victim. Yep. I was gonna say right? I can. We can at least speak to Phoenix PD. Does that? They're they, they're as soon as they get a call, that camera goes on. It needs to be on all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When they're on call, there is no reason for that because that helps them. It helps other people, and you can learn from things you can get better at. Okay. Second, I think there should be there's 800,000 sworn police officers in the country, roughly. One mm-hmm. percent is 8,000 people that should not be in uniform. I think there should be independent psychologists that run through these police precincts and run through these organizations and look for red flags. Because this guy that was involved in the Floyd death had red flags. Oh, he did big time. And you can't tell me he couldn't use a psych evaluation to be like, you know what? I don't think he should be carrying a gun. I don't know if he should be in uniform. Something should be done. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's something, right? I'm just thinking. And I'm just just a regular guy. And and see, and that's, that's part of what even like 
Little Wayne was just alluding to. He's like, we don't know all the facts, all the everything, so we don't know who this guy was, how he was. We also didn't know. I just found out today that George George Floyd and this officer worked together at a nightclub as security. They knew each other. Oh, jeez. Like mm-hmm. that totally changes yeah. the dynamic. It doesn't change what happened. Like I'm not saying that. Like, oh, yeah. But I'm like, at first, when you're thinking like, oh, this officer, like he doesn't know this guy. Then this thing happened. He killed him. It's you know. And now I'm finding I'm like, they knew. He, like what? That's even weirder. They how they know each other. So there's all these details that like start coming out and we don't know. And like I would love, I wish I could see the body cam because they were wearing body cameras and those oh, were are being they? investigated. Were they on? They were on. Oh wow. So you have four body cams. Um, but obviously the Minnesota Bureau of Apprehension, who's doing their investigation, they have that. They're not going to release it until after. Until after, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But it'll be really interesting when that footage comes out. Yeah. Well, the you, fact that they knew each other, that's going to make it really easy real for like, the state, when they're going after this cop, to to make it first degree rather than second degree. Mm. First degree is, is more like premeditated. Mm. Oh, you know, that's okay. what makes yeah, it. See, I don't even you got to have the uh, actus reus, which is the act of committing the murder, mm-hmm. and then the mens rea was the mentality, like you planned it. Wow. You know, yeah. And so that's you cool. Have, Damn. Some Wait, Latin does, boys. Do you have a Antonio? lawyer in the family? You know, I just I dabble <laughs> in some Latin in my off time. Yeah, <laughs> but like funny. what we're alluding to, even like so, this is a this is a problem, right? But we've talked about it a few times, but we've highlighted. Male role models, men, fathers. How many fatherless families are there? How many children are growing up? How many boys grow up without a father figure, a strong male role model to show them these decent things, how to treat humans, how to be? Because if you have that ingrained in you and you learn that, hopefully you avoid another George Floyd. Hopefully you avoid thousands of other instances that we're seeing across the nation because you know we can highlight all this because there is police brutality there is people who should not be cops and then there's also thousands of murders every day gang violence in mm-hmm. major cities chicago new york yeah. la detroit you know we we're, we see those too and most of them are fatherless mm-hmm. you know what i mean they grow up they don't have a male role model it's a big key i see it dude i work in the inner key. city like my high school was like intense man i work like downtown phoenix if you got kicked out, dropped out, couldn't make it in the surrounding high schools, you come to my high school. So, and, and most of them, I, I have mentioned it before, it's mom, it's grandma, it's sister, it's aunt. Mm-hmm. No men. It's not an older brother even. It's not an uncle. It's not a grandpa. Mm-hmm. It's not definitely not dad. Rarely. I would, I would mm-hmm. honestly, off the top of my head, I'd say 4%. Really? 4% dads come in to enroll kids. Mm-hmm. Not just enroll kids, but... Um, I have custody, I'm the dad, or have a dad. It's like almost none of them. Yeah. And we have problems. Like speaking we get about that, yeah, so this, this is from uh, 2013, and uh, 70, there's 75 million children under the age of 18 that grew up uh, in a single-parent home. 80% of them... Wait, did you was, say 75 million? Yes. God. 75 million. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. That's here in the U.S. And on top of that, eighty percent of those kids, it was it was all they were. It was run by a single mothers. That that home was a single mother household. So that just shows you, dudes are slipping. Like they need to step up to the plate. Like these ladies are stepping up. Not and you know I'm not saying that that they're even great moms or anything like that. You got to get real personal about that. But like, dude, if that many, what is that? 
eighty percent of you know seventy five million. You know, I mean that's it's a lot. That's that's a lot. That, that's for sure. The nuclear unit, the nuclear family, has definitely changed a ton. So I, I you, know, I almost want to just do a challenge right now. So it's like, you know, maybe maybe you're a divorced guy and you have kids, or maybe maybe it was like a a one night stand and you got a girl pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. If there's a if there's a child, and even if you didn't want to keep the child, that's a whole different podcast. Uh, that is a still a living human being and you need to be there for that kid. You need to because you not being there is like your your lack of action is going to affect that child for the rest of their life. And, and you know like and men need to step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy to me that uh again when that I was that bad. When I was talking about identity or this is how I looked at it. I want I want people God, I want to give a TED Talk someday if I could. But anyways, first identity. God, I'd love that TED Talk. First identity should be we are a human being. That's what we should identify as. The second one should be is what your role is. You know, are you a son? Are you a daughter? Are you a father? Are you a husband? That should be what you identify as. And as the third, maybe an American, then fourth, maybe go into race. You know, because when you start realizing that we're so much similar as people, you you get rid of those... Uh, guards mm-hmm. you get oh, rid yeah. of those judgments you realize like man even though that guy may look different than me we're similar man we're still trying to help each other's family we're still trying to make each other's way i don't care if he has a a blue shirt i have a red shirt because i'm republican he's democratic it doesn't matter mm-hmm. we both want a better nation we want a safer neighborhood for our kids we want you know better health care for our kids we want this is what we want better schools right mm-hmm. stop focusing on the differences when there's so many similarities oh it's more similarity so much often I, w- I will say that's one of the big things i learned just traveling and go to different countries is you know i could go and i could meet someone that like barely sp- i you know of course i only speak english because I'm the typical American, right? Yeah. Uh, but then I go to the other nations, and they, you know, and I'll meet people that just barely speak English, and I'm like, I'm in Greece, and I'm like, I this person is so similar to me, like, it, like you know, to me, I think they 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 seem different, their culture is so different, but no, we're we are way more similar than we think, and the number one way we could to uh, we could get exposed to that is communication. Just actually talking, having a conversation with a person that you view as quote unquote different. Because what you'll realize is that, yeah, there are some differences, but there's a lot more similarities for sure. And you can't call communication one post on Facebook. So right now we have the George Floyd death, which is horrific. And you have so many heated emotional opinions because so many people are upset with this based on their own life experience their own personal experience in life they're identifying with this some people really feel like they need they need to get that out there and i've i've actually challenged a couple people in their views and i had really good back and forth conversations on instagram or facebook and the people i knew and at first i was a little bit man i disagree right like i was on the opposite side of the fence but at the end of the day i knew we were on the same side yeah. I was like, maybe they just said something differently. And I was like, oh, wow. Or they opened my mind to something. Yeah. I do. I've seen the same thing too. Um, I won't get into the specifics of who it was and what they're saying. Well, actually, I'll, I'll say what it was. But there was a post. So the post was the officer who was killing George Floyd uh, with the knee, that picture, side by side with another picture of an officer. Uh, there was this photo shared of this officer way back it was this uh it's a white officer he's sitting down on these porch steps with like 
these like couple little like black girls or something like that and it, and he's playing with them and it's like this officer stops by this block every single day and they love him and he plays with the kids and he's nice so don't basically the point of the photo was like you can't you know say all cops are bad because look at the contrast whatever that's what this person had shared and then someone had done the reactions you know he did an angry reaction and so the guy who made the post called him out and was like how can you even be mad at this and at first I kind of thought of it you know my first instinct was to kind of think like yeah like what's wrong I mean he's just trying to this seems like a very fairly positive thing and then I saw the response back when he got called out and he was like I'll be honest man like when I saw this video and I see what's going on with what happened to George and then I see some shit like this is the first thing I see. I hate when I see people just go right into defense mode trying to like post something like this. Like it takes away from the tragedy that happened. Like I like and he went on and he went even further and he's like, I'm black and I've been, you know, like you don't even know like some of the stuff that's been said to me. And like you sh- you need to understand why I'm so angry is I don't want to see this right now. Like I'm seeing red because I just saw someone of my same color just be brutalized in the street and I don't want to see this as your first response or and he's like, I'm not even mad at you either. He's he's telling the guy who called him out, he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not even necessarily mad at you or disagree with you even. I'm just mad because like of what happened. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of really resonated with that. And I was like, you know, that's very true. Like our the first step doesn't have to even be like defending all you know, all officers, whatever, even though we know innately just because someone's an awful lawyer doesn't mean all lawyers are bad, you know. But that's not the point. The point is that let's focus on this instance. Let's focus on how we can rally, you know, and it's not to excuse the people who are burning down buildings and rioting, you know, but like mm-hmm. I, it's kind of cool because when you, I've tried so hard, I know both of you guys have too, to be how open-minded can I be, like truly open-minded um, and try to be objective and, and I have my own two cents, but how can I bring in the other 98 from other people? Right. And when I saw that post, it was such a good gut check moment for me. Cause I was like, wow, like maybe if this was five years ago, I would have been just mad and been like, no, that's a good post. Like you, mm-hmm. like you can't paint them all. But now that I'm very open-minded, I'm like, no, I understand why, why they should be upset because anyone should be upset, but especially you identify with something when you look similar to it, when you yeah. feel similar to it, because you have culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm white. I don't identify with black culture, with mm-hmm. that culture, and right? You, you trying to I, I empathize just, is disingenuous. And it's, yeah, I it's can't. not, because I'm not going to tell oh, them, like, yeah. I get it, bro, because I can't get it, right? Yeah. But what I can tell you is I'm like, I understand why you would be so frustrated. I can't empathize in a way that I can feel your pain, but I can see your pain. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that's the distinction that we need to make. Um, and recognize there's a problem. And there is a problem. And you know what, man? Like, there I, is a I've problem. Been na- I've been naive myself. Yeah. This is the first time out of all these times of Black Lives Matter. I haven't paid attention to it because I just don't believe in racism. As in, I believe in just treating people who they are. If you're a jerk, you're a jerk. I've actually had people be racist towards me. I'm not going to bring it up because it doesn't matter. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that there's obviously a problem. Regardless Big whether time. what's in the media and it's being portrayed or whatever pushed, it's a problem. And you had and no matter what we do, George Floyd is not coming back. No. Nope. And when you realize that, the first step is realizing that this is sad. It we is. We can man. all agree on that. 
It we is. can all have opinions on what we think can help it. If you think saying white privilege is going to help, I don't think so. I think that's a cop out. That's what I think that is. Okay. The first, I, I actually like out of all this stance, Black Lives Matter. That's where the attention is, right? It's yeah. George Floyd. It's the community that's around him. I can't relate to that. All right. All lives matter. Yes, all lives matter. You were saying that one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter was a very well-spoken female, right? Yeah. That was on the Rob Bell show. Can, um, you, big can time. you touch on that? Yeah, I mean, she, so when she was on Rob Bell, and like, I had first heard this a few years ago, and I had kind of maybe even just a different slant, because like, when you first hear like, oh, Black Lives Matter, when you first heard that movement, if you're not black, especially, you're kind of like, and then you hear the all lives people chiming in and saying yeah. stuff. You kind of think you're like, why do I have to choose? Like, yeah. shouldn't it be all lives? You know, but Which to go to loop back to an earlier point, mm-hmm. it's about highlighting an issue, right? Um, and again, this isn't a, a promotion for that, for whatever they are, what they stand for, because I don't know. I don't. I know honestly nothing about them. But I heard this. She's one of the founders. I forget her name, and I probably should have brought it up by now. But when she was on Rob Bell, she was kind of just like. Just talking about her childhood, she's very articulate, very well-spoken, but she highlighted some things. She grew up in, uh, I think, like Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So she grew up like here. And she was like, yeah, my dad, he's from Africa. Like we're, He was like first generation from Africa and, and uh, yada, yada. And she was saying some stuff like we've we've been pulled over or like this thing happened and i had all these like white friends growing up and like i would talk about these things and they had no idea what i was talking Mm -hmm. about and i was like if i'm trying to be very objective and open you kind of got to recognize that you know what like i don't know we don't know people from my neighborhood may not know what that is like Mm -hmm. you know and she wasn't and i i talked about sean king earlier because that guy seems to just be, I, I don't even want to talk too much on him, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I've just heard his name today. I not of much. that. Not of, I'm not, he doesn't strike me as the same as the way she strikes me, which mm-hmm. is like a benevolent, well-spoken, well-articulated mm-hmm. kind of, you know, person who's just speaking from like some real life experiences. And she highlighted some, mm-hmm. you know, so there is a, there is a problem, right? Yeah. Like there is an issue, but I think even further, it's like, you look at some of those issues and it's like, I don't want to use the word um, systemic, but it's like there's neighborhoods. Like there's, um, when I was getting my degree in social work, one thing I learned about was generational poverty. Mm-hmm. So there's neighborhoods, there's pockets, massive pockets within our country mm-hmm. where there's generational, generation, generation. There's neighborhoods that are always poor, always poor, always yep. poor. Mm-hmm. There's neighborhoods that are always wealthy, always okay, always doing well. The same crime. And it's like, yeah, and it's like, mm-hmm. how do we fix that? And I will say one thing with generational poverty, whether it's white or black or any race, um, f- no, f- mainly fathers are not around. Yeah. Dads are drunks. They're losers. They're not around. They don't look for, support. Look for commonalities, right? And then you have mm-hmm. gov- different assistance programs. And assistance, the worst thing about helpful, assistance is that it can, it can be, be so helpful and it's mm-hmm. crippling. It's the same thing um, in Haiti. So, like one of the one of the worst things that ever happened to Haiti was, um, I, I believe it was that tidal wave, right? So they got hit really hard with that. But it, they say that wasn't even the worst thing. So the worst thing was the free aid that they got for years and years and years and mm-hmm. years afterwards, which completely wrecked their entire economy because how can you compete with free rice? How can you compete with free clothes? How can you compete with free food and water? You can't. 
Well, a lot of these you just can't compete. How can you keep going level? if you lose self responsibility? Yeah, you know? like it's it's good to have aid. It's good to have assistance. Those programs are needed, but when you create dependence, yeah, that's where it really, really creates this generational poverty. And yeah, it really is. In many things, no. we look at it as a as a one step process instead of a three. Yeah, you know. Okay, it sounds great to give free aid, right? We have an issue right now with unemployment. We're giving out so much unemployment, which is a good intention. But right now, I know business leaders, like business owners that can't hire people because people are staying at home yeah. on their unemployment. Yeah. And when July 25th comes up, and they know a stim- another stimulus check Probably going to happen. The next stimulus was, rec- was recommended throughout the end of the year. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, you can't give, give, give. You can't. These are basic human behaviors, human needs. If you were in the cave as a caveman, right? We used to live in caves at some point. If you were just fed food, you would have never uh, leave the cave no. to learn how to start a fire. Yep. You would have never mm-hmm. leave to, to, let's just say you had meals ready for you, to go hunt the big animals. Yeah. Right? To yeah. learn in teams. Yeah. You wouldn't have learned that. If you do true socialism, which is what people are so scared of, right? True socialism like Russia, where the government gets rid of supply and demand, the true science curve of that, that you can't predict. You have a black market capitalism, which will happen, but you'll have a so unfair, corrupt system. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's horrible. awful. Yeah. And, and to connect it all, it's like, just like with generational poverty, just like with third world countries, like there's deep, deep rooted issues. Mm-hmm. And like you talked about with EMDR, EMDR there's branches, right? Like there's mm-hmm. five branches and then we got to fix this, like the, the root stump, cause. the root, yeah. right? But we're treating all these things. So with something like, uh, just to go back to try and tie, you know, George and sure. like all that on, yeah. like culture wars, race mm-hmm. wars, you know, there's all these branches, there's five branches, there's five fingers, whatever. And we're kind of like on social media attacking each other over all the little leaves and branches. Mm-hmm. And we need to know what that root is. And I'm not, I don't know what it is. Like you got, we, of course, none of us know, but, but we, we can recognize, I think the first step is recognizing that. And don't be a denial anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Recognize there's a problem, right? Recognize what's the, that because. What's the first step in AA? Yeah. Okay. Admitting there's a denial, problem. Right. Yeah. Admit there's a yeah. problem. Cause I had people, dude, cause you know, sometimes we share things on Facebook. So I shared this thing on Facebook cause it, it, it was just like so crazy to me just seeing the way this like target was looted. Right. So I shared it and was like, you know, we talk about a thin blue line in society, right? A mm. thin blue line. The thin blue line are the, if you take the population versus the police force, there's not very many, right? Oh. So it's this idea of law and order, okay? If you remove that, so during these riots, like police aren't going to respond to these calls. Like what happens? Well, some people are going to start looting. That's scary. But yeah. I also said, j- that's just to speak to the video. That was all that was speaking to. And then I put in a piece about, like my prayers go out to you know George Floyd, his family, what happened to him is I mean it's egregious. I hope every officer is prosecuted to the full extent of the law that our laws allow them to be, and I hope that they get the full repercussions for either their um, for their actions or and their inactions, right? Yeah. Alike. Uh-huh. And so uh, someone someone had commented on it. I won't call them out, but they were like, "This is bullshit. Cops are just doing their job." And I, I was just like, oh, good God. Jeez. Like, Look, why would you say that? I, well, people that so is blind, awful. They blindly follow, like, their beliefs. And they don't just. Yeah. They're it's blind, like their they're own blind. point of view. It's, it's like, easier. oh, well, you know, well, officers got to do. And I'm like, 
I wasn't talking about officers. Like, yeah. dude, I work at an inner city high school. We have officers that work off duty as security that are like amazing people, mm-hmm. like incredible people. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm I'm alluding first of all to like the craziness I'm just seeing in this video. Like, it's just almost like apocalyptic. Like yeah. to see this target just get like there's a dude with a hammer going to the self checkout stuff, yeah. breaking it. Yeah. Like he wasn't even <laughs> looting. He was just destroying yeah. like the checkout stuff. So I was like, this is nuts. So when people when some people because you wouldn't go rob Walmart if there weren't cops. You're a decent person. Yeah. But like some people will, you know. So it's kinda like it's a weird little micro experiment, you know, in a way. Mm-hmm. But then I you know, I just said that about I believe that about George Floyd. I believe that it was egregious. I believe it was disgusting. I think it was a just a crazy abuse of power. And on top of that, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope he gets completely prosecuted. And also, like, I do believe in God. I do believe in heaven and hell. And I know that that man will be judged. You know, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. what happens beyond that, no one knows. I don't know. I'm not making the call. I'm just saying we all go before judgment. And he will too, you know, and, and I just pray for healing for George Floyd's family. Mm-hmm. I pray for healing for that community, Minneapolis. I, I hope Minneapolis can heal soon. Yeah, I you think know? He, had a, he had a six-year-old daughter. But, but for, he did. And for mm-hmm. someone to say like, well, this is bullshit. Cops are doing their job. I was like, God, dude, you missed it. Mm-hmm. You missed it, dude. Yeah. You missed, like, come on. There's been enough. Open up your mm-hmm. eyes. Like, there's something happening. You know, and like, and this, and it makes me happening feel bad. Where it's been happening, right? It's been like happening. It's, it's obviously been there. We're just documenting yeah. more of it. Now and it's like, now you can't hide from it. it and it scares me because I just think like, where is this country going? Because like, I have two thoughts in my head, right? So like, mm-hmm. one one part of me is like Gary V. It's like this is the best, most amazing, most awesome, most oppor- opportunistic, excuse me, time to ever live. Mm-hmm. Best time to make a podcast. Mm-hmm. Best time to do what we're doing. Doing, sorry, just drinking beer, just yeah, bourbon, beer, beer, beer burps, hiccups, and I'm going in. But like, this is the best time to ever be alive, and I believe that. But then on the other flip side, I see all this stuff on social media, and I'm like, is this country screwed? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, we see these statistics, and like, all these fatherless homes, and all these men yeah. who can't, men who can't get their shit together. But what can? And we I'm control? like, man, are we doomed? But Eric, what can we control? All we can control is how we react. In ourselves. It's true, That's yeah. It. And big if time. you do that, you do your little part yeah. in this big picture, it's going to make a difference. We like, get in that positive ripple effect. We, ha- we have We to. are. And I got to tell you this. Okay, this is very emotion. Very emotional. Even what we said wasn't I'm getting perfect. emotional. Even very, what we said in this podcast was not perfect. It wasn't well no. articulated all the time. It's emotional. But there's some logic here, guys. But it's you raw. Know, it, it's raw. It's real. We need to talk about it. But there are positive things to focus on. Like... There, I can tell you I've changed because of this death by Mr. Floyd. Like, I am more aware of what's going on. Like, there's a bigger problem. So I can tell you personally, I'm changed. Like, yeah. I understand Black Lives Matter more. Usually, like I said, I was naive. I didn't really understand. Now I'm understanding more. Like, yes. I'm like, let me learn a bit. Because yeah. this is not my viewpoint. It's not my experience and my lens of life. Well, it, and it makes me want to reach out more to people who... Yeah who lived a different life than me and be like, you know, like what have you experienced? What are or, you feeling? Or just be more compassionate when someone's being a little grumpy. Right. You know, like I used to take, especially before I feel like we've already talked about my EMDR. I feel like mentally and emotionally I've healed and I'm just able to listen more now. I yeah. used to take things way more personal when I was hurting. 
So I could tell you that if you're really um, like super empathic or taking things a little overboard, do some self-reflection on how you're doing too. Yeah. Because the ones that are hurt the most are the ones that are projecting the most. Dude, mm-hmm. touching on that, do you want do you want to share kind of what you told me listening to our one year ago episode for episode 45? Oh, yeah. So I was on episode 45 and I listened to it and it was a year ago. It's kind of nice to hear, but I got to tell you the first half of the episode, I was disgusted a bit. Like I sounded condescending. I sounded like a douchebag. I sounded like I was full of myself. I like apologized to my mom the way I uh, talked about her on the podcast. Like I was actually disappointed. The second half, I felt better, but I was definitely compensating when I wasn't feeling as good about myself on the inside. Like the most stoic, confident people do not have to project that. Yeah. Like it's just there. And it's like that self-reflection that we, to go all the way back to the beginning, dude, defining your purpose, self-rigorous self-reflection of who you are, what you're doing, why you do it, why are you acting in the way you act. And one of the best ways to do it is, dude, record a podcast. Mm. Because when we go back and we listen to that stuff, I even heard myself and I was like, God, I felt like. I mean, even just for the podcast in general, I was literally, I was literally listening to it and I was like, man, I feel like I didn't even know what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know? And I felt like I was like a lot more insecure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's come a long way in a year. Yeah. It's been a year, right? It's been a wow. year. That was over a year ago, yeah. dude. That was the biggest year of my life. It was big time. It was uh, the last year. Yeah. Even, you know what? Even Christian who was on the episode and then I, you know, we're, he's my roommate. Uh, I went home the other night, had no idea that you told me that, by the way, this is totally not not you know he had no idea that i never brought it up christian goes dude i listened to episode 45 and uh man there's the biggest difference between frank emdr like before and after mm-hmm. i was like really he's like yeah dude he's like i was listening to frank on there and i was like man i forgot how like just not crazy isn't a good word but he was like he was so much more intense and i was like you know it's nuts man he literally texted me that and he goes, I didn't like how condescending I was, and I wasn't compassionate. And Christian was like, you know what? That's the perfect way to put it, because it's exactly how it it sounded, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, yeah, it's but it's good. It's really good to hear it, mm-hmm. you know. And don't give excuses for it. No, recognize. But that's it. who you were. Yeah, that's who I was at the time. And that's I can right. say, and that's the best thing about doing a podcast. People will be like, well, you said this, you know, six months ago. I was like, that's what I was thinking then. Yeah. Then yeah. this event right. happened. It's kind of changed my yeah. mind. Yeah, that's okay. You should continue to grow. There's never a plateau of where you hit growth. No, there's no not. Garden of Eden or something there's that you're not. just there picking apples and you're just great and gravy. No. You know, same with America, right? Is America ever gonna be perfect? No, nope. but I hope we're projecting forward. I hope so. Right? I really do. I hope we're projecting forward. Is racism ever gonna be eradicated? I hope it's completely eventually. But you know, is it realistic? I don't. I don't think so. But can it get better? For sure. It sure can. I hope tomorrow yeah. is a better day. It will once we've all. If you all think about it, I mean, it we've enough. come a long way. I mean, like, dude, think. I mean, if even if you watch like any movie, read a book about slavery and stuff, like, y'all, it was bad back then. And even you know, the and I didn't bad. understand racism so much until. And it sounds bad because people in the South are going to hear this and think I'm like just shitting on them, and I'm not. But the there is just a clear divide when you go to the south because there's just a, a higher black population and you know and then there's a white people too a white population and you can see like the segregation still like there's some kind of mixed you know in there and then and then you hear pure racism 
Like yeah. here, people. Yeah, it's like, real. I feel like out here in West and uh, out West, it's and not Phoenix as bad in where Arizona. we grew. Yeah, it's not. We're just a newer culture. Well, it's newer and it's out We're west. So much more so of a melting people, pot. Yeah, it's more of a melting mm-hmm. pot. It really is. Um, and so the the cultures have kind of mixed more. And in in the South, it kind of like it's it's still a little uh, divided. And I remember when I was there, and I was like, oh wow, like. Dude, it is still really racist here. And I and I, you know, I saw both parts. I, you know, I heard white people saying terribly racist things and then, you know, me being white, I felt like people were being racist to me because I was white, you know, and you know, because, you know, they oh, felt dude. attacked. Black guys felt attacked or black women and they didn't they didn't like well, white they didn't like white people. They foreign. didn't like the white devils. That's what that's that's a really common term in the south. Yeah, man. It, okay, so two places, because um, I'm from Arizona, right? Yeah. It's like mainly like white, Hispanic, small black population, some Native American, mainly up north. But like we're from Peoria, we're from Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get it as much. When I was 14, I went to New Orleans to help rebuild homes after uh, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. We went to a few neighborhoods and a few different areas where... My eyes, I mean, I had, my, my family's from Maryland, so I'd gone back to Maryland, been through Baltimore. I get that, you know, it's a, it's way more, way bigger uh, black population there. The demographics are a lot more. Um, but in Louisiana, dude, it was like, I felt mm-hmm. weird. And we went to a, a few, uh, like, grocery stores and neighborhoods to, like, repaint houses. I was like, you know, it was like me and, like, you know, a few other church people, and we we're just, and I was white, and I was like, Oh my God. And and people were looking at you weird. It was the first time I ever got a sense of like, you're different. You're You're foreign. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is kind of weird. Like, uh, I'm not used to this. I'm just used to like mainly like, like quinceañeras and like, we're laughing and a bunch of like Mexican dudes and me Uh and like, you know, and the, and then the other place surprisingly I saw it was in Hawaii. I spent a whole summer in Oahu and, uh, I did not know. I you grow up knowing Hawaii is one of our states and yada yada yada. I didn't know until I went to Hawaii that first of all they definitely don't feel like there's a lot of diehard Hawaiians who are like yeah. actually most there's actually a very small uh, population of real Hawaiian. Mo- most people are mixed with a lot sure. of different Pacific Islanders. Yeah. yeah, to be truly Hawaiian is like a, a gem now. Like, um, but anyways, like a lot of people. So they call you a Howley means you're like a white like a white guy so people would be like oh this howley this howley that and i was like oh i'm not used to this like this is weird i'm the minority. like people look yeah. at you and they're like get the hell out of here bro like this is our neighborhood like we're mm-hmm. all like you're you're weird like you're different yeah and uh those are the two places i definitely got that sense and i was like hmm it's different being on the other side there, there's a theory i've heard it before again i can't quote it again it's just a theory of how race is a is a survival first instinct so think about a tribe a long time ago let's just say the native americans or no let's actually let's just use today how about that tribe that has not been touched by anybody they're a true yeah, tribe in new guinea yeah and they see that white guy that's a mormon that's trying to teach him something that guy looks like an alien so the first step is to go something's different something's something could be you go into defense mode you get scared. Yeah. Like, so a lot real. of things like our oh. brain is still has like animal characteristics. Mm-hmm. You know, these old things like why is fear and negativity pushed to the forefront before positivity and happiness? 
Why do you think we want the news? They are preying on our animalistic brains that oh, naturally want to think negativity and fear because that's our survival instinct. Our brain has not caught up emotionally with the times where it takes you know, one negative review on Google. It takes 10 positive reviews to overcome that one. That doesn't make sense logically. No, it doesn't. Our brains like set us back on this old survival technique of trying to just make it to the next day. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I and I brought up before, it's like you could have a really good day, you, you crush it at work, you're doing this and that, but you know what you bring up in the evening when you're telling your roommates or your girlfriend what happened? That stupid lady that pulled out in front of you and you almost hit her. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the rest because of the day was fine. That is so much more what mm-hmm. we're wired to yeah. talk about. It's weird, <sighs> right? It's bad. But I think you can you can force positivity. And I don't mean to be disingenuous. No, no, but no. But just do a better mark. Like Tony Robbins has this thing like, I loved it and I'm not your guru. He says, blame them. Your mom mm-hmm. beat you. Blame her for that. But also blame her for being the amazing person you are. Yeah. Right? You did say yeah, that, dude. Blame them. Yeah. Blame them for all of it. If you're going to blame, blame fair. Then blame them. Yeah, blame I fair. love blame that. Fair, yeah. When he said that, when he's like, you, yeah, blame them for, for like all your abuse, but also blame them for being the fucking rock star that you are. Yeah. There was that I was female. like, damn, dude, that's good. There that was those two females, mom, daughter in the crowd, like a beautiful like 18-year-old that was really bright at a Tony Robbins event. Obviously, she's far beyond her years. Yeah, big time. And she had a bad relationship with dad. He's been on and off of drugs. And she had some really uh, bland answers. She's like, He's like, why are you here? Because I'm here to uh, be more disciplined with my diet. Four questions in, it's about how her dad was never there for her and how he she resents him. She makes him call him and say, thank him for who you are today because of him. God. Blame him evenly. Like You could be that victim, but realize that you need to be fair in what you're providing guilt from. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't, just being a victim all day long does not empower you. Yeah. It's okay if you've been wronged, but what are you going to learn from it? What are you going to grow from it? And, you know, if you didn't have that wrong, would you be the same person tomorrow? If I didn't have Dude. any of my failures, if I didn't have any of the times I was mistreated, if I didn't have the traumas and the horrible, horrific events I've dealt with in my life, I wouldn't be the Frank I am at 31 years old where I'm able to help more people. It's true, man. That's purpose. When I was in social work and even now, I, I have clients or I have students. I tell them, I'm like, they tell me these things. You, you know, you console them, you talk to them, you hear them, you let them be heard. But I'm always like, where do you go from here? Like, do you just lay down? You got to go. You got to get up. You got to go forward. Mm-hmm. Like, what else do you do? You know, like there's nowhere else to go. Are you Dan Crenshaw laying in bed and you say, I'm going to do the surgery on my left eye that is 50-50 if I keep my eye versus I'm blind forever. He does the surgery, lays in bed for six weeks, can't move at all, even turn his head. And he has a better eye. Not only does he do that, then he goes back. He's right-handed, right-eyed, or actually two-eyed, right-handed. He learns to shoot his gun left hand with just his left eye with the corrected lens and qualifies for the seals again. Like, are you that guy? Is that who you are? Are you that guy that gets out of bed no matter what obstacles you've been in? Or are you that guy that becomes a victim and says you're privileged? To bring it full circle. Like, you <laughs> I'm know, pumped, let's, let's baby. I'm pumped, baby. I'm let's pumped. challenge the dads out there. To let's challenge like, men, really, dude. Yeah, men to be better. To, to really bring that into the home, that mentality. Uh, I kind of have a, a story. Do you, you guys ever hear about the famous uh, brown eyes, uh, blue eyes experiment? 
Nope. No, but brown eyes are great. <laughs> they are <laughs> team blue baby yeah. team blue team blue yeah. I like no, no it's actually man it is so applicable to today so uh, this was uh, 1968 it was April 5th it was the day after Martin Luther King uh, Jr. was assassinated this teacher Jane Elliott she was a teacher in a small town in Iowa and she had to show like how significant that this was that this this man who stood up for civil rights was just killed he was murdered and these are all white kids in this small town in Iowa how can she make them be connected so she went to school that day the after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and she was like guys today we are going to learn about people that have blue eyes because people that have blue eyes statistically they're better they're smarter they're funnier they're even a little better looking and she's teaching this to a third grade class Mm -hmm. right and she's going over and over and about that right and then so she sees the the blue kid uh you know kids with the blue eyes you know they start getting more happy they're they're participating more and and you see the kids with the brown eyes you know they they're they're feeling down on themselves they're they're not participating and of course they feel negative because then they they're realizing their teacher's telling them i'm not as good as the person next to me you know so then the next day comes and she goes, oh my goodness, guys, I had it all wrong. It's the kids with the brown eyes that are actually better. The kids with the brown eyes are funnier. The kids with the brown eyes are faster when they run in a race, you know. And so then all of a sudden the kids with the brown eyes are relieved, of course, because they were, they felt beat up on, you know. Mm-hmm. And now they're relieved. Like, oh, fine. I'm the better person, right? So at the end of the second day, she opens up to them and she's like, this is what's going on in this country right now. People think because you're white that you're better than someone who's black. Now, when the blue eyed kids, how did it feel when the brown eyed kids were better? Of course, these children were like, yeah, it felt terrible. And it's like, but really look at it. We're, we're not different. And you were talking about this earlier, Frank. Like, it's not about like, you know, race it's like let's first identify that we're all people mm-hmm. because when you identify that you realize it, like it, it's it's sad that that this is happening that we have to have this talk you know because this was a talk back in 1968 and it's been going on for yeah. since we've been humans mm-hmm. seriously and um so it's like as my challenge as uh you know we were talking about dads and and uh fatherless homes and stuff if you want to help something out, this is obviously racism is still an issue, obviously. So be there for your kids and show them that, like, no, you love the person next to you because of who they are. You respect them because they are just like you, you know, and uh, don't try to make them seem like they're different. Don't try to make someone else seem like they're different. Just realize there are, you know, we are all in this together. There are there are small differences, but there are way more similarities. And I, I want to challenge dads out there to really, if you want to make a difference in this whole racial movement, start in the home. Start with the man in the mirror and then start with your family. So, and more is, more true. is caught than taught. Yeah. That's something too, right? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that is how, that's how kids learn. I love that. Yeah, so even though, even though you're not teaching them or saying the right thing because you're tired working two jobs right mm-hmm. or you know mom's busy or whatever and everyone's you're trying your best but at least you're there more is caught than taught 
mm-hmm. when your kid sees dad open the door up for you know the family when you're a kiddo and you see your dad that's there every morning every night he's there to pick you like my dad my dad was there to pick me up from school every time dude my dad was dependable like my dad was always there man like there was never a time he wasn't there and I had an amazing mom too. Both of them worked full-time jobs. They worked full-time jobs, full-time parents. There was equal load, man. I don't know what it's like to have my mom mowed the lawn. My dad mowed the lawn. My dad did the dishes. My mom did the dishes. Like, it was just a fair partnership growing mm. up. You know? Like, where is that? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we I did, want to rants, but. I did want well, to add one other thing to that story. Yeah. Because it kind of goes into. I remember that story, into, by the way. Huh, what's that? I heard this story before. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I, I mean, it, everyone should know about it. Uh, the other thing that you could really tell is standing up for what is right because uh, uh, I think her name was Jane Elliott. And uh, Jane Elliott was actually fired because she did that experiment on kids. In the she, 60s? Yeah, in the 60s. Yeah. She was fired from it. And of course, I mean... Sorry for all the teachers in that small town in Iowa. No one knows your name. But everyone knows Jane Elliott. Well, not everyone. But people know Jane Elliott's name because she stood up for what was right. You know, she really, she knew that it was controversial and that she could lose her job. But she did it anyways. And honestly, there were so many lives affected because of it. I think, I think just take a step back. You know, like there's so many topics that we could realize that 90% is similarity. Mm-hmm. In most instances, if you're in business and you're making a decision and 90% is part of the equation, you're excited. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, when it comes to religion, race, country, uh, political topics, yeah, 90% right. of the time, we are agreeing. And for some reason, we fixate and double down, triple mm-hmm. down, quadruple down on what the difference is. Mm-hmm. It is so silly. Like, let's just, like, the racism thing. It's sad. That's the first reaction. It's sad. Stop acting like it's a simple answer. It's a complex issue. And let's work together as people realize it's a problem. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Let's yeah, start man. there. I know. And if we can have some final thoughts, like we even alluded to, like, you know, how bad it was back in time, you know, go back to biblical times, go back to when like Jesus was around, right? Like the New Testament. Um, a lot of what he was saying, a lot of people think that like the New Testament's like, oh, it's so awful, and like there's so much like you know terrible stuff in the Bible. Old like, Testament or new? Old, well, even New Testament, oh, dude. Like at that time frame, it was yeah, like it was women had you know no rights; they couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. A woman was someone you wouldn't believe at all, and that's that was one of the cool things about the New Testament was that like the first sighting of Jesus after he died was a woman, and mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons you're like, why would you write that? You know, because a woman, no one would believe her. Anyways. Like those, those are progressive things. Yeah. Those are like radically progressive things are in the Bible. Like there's stories throughout the whole Bible that like, even though there was slavery and terrible things, like there's radically progressive things. Like, Mm -hmm. like even Jesus telling someone to, to uh, like go the extra mile. I, I heard this really cool thing from Rob Bell, you know, while we're talking about riots and protest, one of the protests was like, if you walked a certain amount, so it was like Jesus, you know, I forgot what the parable was, but it was like, go the extra mile, right? That's what that's what people took it as. Yeah, walk the extra mile. If they tell you to only walk this far, you go this far. It's like how a, if a so if, if they give high. you they give you the stuff to carry it, carry it another mile because mm-hmm. Roman law said they could only make you carry it so far. So yeah. if you carried it even farther, you actually got those Roman soldiers in trouble. And the thing with like turn the other cheek, well, it's the one thing of like, yeah, turn the other cheek. 
but also it was like spiteful to turn your other cheek. It was a protest. Mm. And so even like tough. it show yeah, and it shows that there's two sides to every coin, right? So we take it as like turn the other cheek as in like, yeah, if they slap you, just turn the other cheek and get slapped there too. But when you kind of look at the laws, the, the lay of the land, the way the Romans were, it was actually very provocative to turn the other cheek. Oh, so was, there's yeah. two sides to every coin. And that was that's something that's just entrenched in you know religion, but th- which is entrenched in us as humans. And I think that that's where we're at. Like there's two sides to every coin. We don't know it all. Um, but I feel like we've done a good hour 20 on this. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's our like longest episode longest ever. Longest episode. Is it ever? ever? Wow. So I, I didn't know we were going to touch on the George Floyd stuff. I didn't know, you know we what? were, but you it's know what, man? Topic. It's hot topic. It's what's happening. You, we it's have what to we talk, talk about, about what's out there. It is what we talk about. I yeah. want to put it out I there. I liked it. I, you know, if I feel bad if I came across insincere or anything like that, but I, I tried. This is not no, easy stuff to well, talk about. He, it's not easy to talk about. I'm glad we're talking about it, but it's, it's real. It's raw. I think we're all very open-minded and I would challenge anybody who listens to this podcast, message us. If you have a conflicting view or you have like something that we said, like, I want to know your thoughts. Like, let us know. Message me. Yeah. Be like, hey, you said this. I want to expand on that. Or yeah. you said this. Here's my thought on it. Because I really, I think we all are open to that. We are. Because no. it's like, it, my whole thing is like, as long as you're not a jerk, mm-hmm. I'm listening. Dude, most people aren't, man. And most I, people aren't. Yeah, That's a good thing. Unfortunately, the media has created this thing where there's sides. But, dude, I've talked to people that are as liberal as can be, man. I find so many things I agree with them on. I know people that are really conservative, and I agree with them on things. I know vegans, and I'm like, God, they're not as bad. Or carnivores, yep. they're, they're you know, not as bad. It's like, dude, all of us, like, have so many similarities, man. Mm-hmm. Like, realize, first thing, what? We're human beings. Yep. We're human beings. Yeah, we all we all agree on something. Yeah, we do. But I do have a quote to end it. Can do it, baby. Can I do, do it? Can, bad, I do it? can you bad, bad boy? boy? You bad boy. Oh, Tell me. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Frankie Frank. So continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. Winston Churchill. Who said it again? I want to hear it again. Continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. Winston Churchill. I like that a lot. Spoken like a true World War One vet. Mm-hmm. And World War Two hero. It's about he was grit. also a drunk. <laughs> like yeah, oh, he, he he drank a bottle of brandy. A day. He also fought what depression. A man. He also Good fought man. depression. Did you know that? He fought Probably depression. Probably attributed to the brandy. Maybe. <laughs> Did you know that uh, London? There was a year that the Nazis were bombing them so much every day that they eventually were. They would laugh at COVID, but they were so accustomed to it that they didn't want to live in fear anymore. That they just went out for picnics and started living life. They said, if a bomb's going to drop, it's going to drop, but I'm not going to hide around every day for the rest of my life trying yeah. to avoid a bomb that might kill us anyways. Mm-hmm. That's Did, pretty that's pertinent. That's cool. That's power. Did you know that Abraham Lincoln's secretary's last name was Kennedy and John F. Kennedy's secretary's last name was Lincoln? Dude. That sounds like <laughs> if you're on a trivia night, yeah. that sounds like that's two that's answers good, for man. you. Yeah, okay. seriously. Thank you, everybody. I'm really glad you're listening. We're going to have a website up soon, but you can always find us on Apple Podcast, um, Spotify, and Podbean. You can look us up on Instagram at j.a.k.d underscore podcast, or you can look us up on any other you know 
where you get your podcast. Just look up J-A-K-D, Jacked. Any last words, Anthony, Frank? Uh, guys, just thanks for uh, being there. And honestly, you know, we do a lot of episodes to just help people out. But uh, an episode like today, we really want to start a conversation because yep. I feel like uh, there's so much that we can learn. There's so much that y'all can learn. And it's literally just by conversing with one another. And people want Anthony's Snapchat. Uh, give me the Snapchat. Yeah, they want they want my Snapchat. Yeah, hit really? them, Yeah, hit them with the Snapchat. Oh, it's uh, it's Anthony. Mmm. So M M M Cole C O L A. That's where you're gonna get AC at. Yeah, that's why. If you want some more AC, because I'm not on social media, you gotta get on my Snapchat. You gotta slide in and send me a snap. You know, send me a little DM. Huh. Yeah, that's where you All find right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Take All care, right. and right. we'll see you on the next episode of Just a Couple Dudes Podcast. Bye. Uh, bye.